Ephesians chapter 4, we got as far as verse 24 last time. We're going to do 25 through 32. So let's begin by the reading of the Word. Ephesians 4 verse 25, Paul says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Father, we thank You for that truth, Lord. Um, thank You for the reminders, Lord Jesus. I pray that these things would saturate our hearts and minds today, Lord God, that as You tell us to put off the old man and to put on the new man, Lord, that we would take that serious. And that we would be different and people would see a difference in our lives. And so, Lord, stir us up right now. Fill us all with the Holy Spirit. And everyone here would just ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit to receive the Word of God with all readiness and ready to put it to action. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Well, you know, we've been going through this series in Ephesians and uh, and the first three chapters, as I tell you almost every week, just to remind you, is how God feels about you. What God has done for you. And that we can't tell people what to do for God until they understand what God did for them. And that's why the first three chapters are so important. When you understand what God has done for you, you're just like, i got to serve Him because He's so awesome. And you want to be able to serve the King of Kings. He's given you an opportunity. He's blessed you with eternal life. He's given you gifts of the Spirit. He's given you a calling. He's given you something to do. And He said, could you do this for me? And we should say, yes. It's in Revelation where it says that we were created for His good pleasure. Did you know that? You know, we need to wake up in the morning and just say, Lord, reporting for duty. What can I do today that will please you? And when he tells us, just don't go, I don't want to do that. Just say, I'll do it. Because now we're going to be moving in the power of of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And God has broken the power of sin in our life and He's given us new life. And we need to take advantage of that. And so we were talking last week about the, the putting off of the old man and the putting on of the new man and how important that is. That, that we should put away the things of the world. Paul said, don't live like the world lives. There should be something different about you. Do people see transformation in your life? Do, do they see someone who reflects Jesus? Or are you a Christian that looks like you fit right into the world just as well as anywhere else? And we want to be separated, set apart. We want, to, we want to come into contact with people and have them not come in contact with me, but come in contact with Jesus. And that's a putting off. See, we're saved. We're going to heaven. But we still have free will. We can still not serve God. We can still choose not to read our Bibles. We can still choose not to come to church. We can still choose to do the things of the world and... Quench the Spirit. Grieve the Holy Spirit by doing those things. 
So are there things in your life today that you need to put off? I think that convicts all of us, myself included. Put off the old man. We referred to it as we looked at uh, Zechariah chapter 3 last week with Joshua the high priest. And God was in his presence. And it says that Joshua was standing before the Lord and Satan was right next to him. Isn't that how it is? You're walking with God and you want to do things for Jesus and then there's the enemy right next to you trying to get you not to. Dangling the bait, take the bait, take the bait, take the bait, and then you buckle, you take it, and then he goes and rats you out. He goes before the Lord, he just, he just tells on you, and it's all true. What can you say? You can't dispute it. But the beauty is, is that the Lord says, hey, he's one of mine. We see Joshua standing before the Lord and Satan present, and the Lord rebukes Satan. Because, see, God wanted to use Joshua the high priest and Zerubbabel to do a great thing, and Satan wanted to stop that. Whenever you want to do a great thing for Jesus, Satan's going to try to stop you. And so he's there to stop him, and God rebukes him, and then he says, take the filthy garments off of Joshua and put on these clean robes. See, that's what God did for you and me when we got saved. He took the filthy garments in Zechariah 3 represent in the Hebrew, it's like sewage, poop. Take off the poopy garments, throw them away, and put on these robes of righteousness. That's what God's done for us. But how many Christians go back and pick up the filthy clothes? Right? You know, you know for me... I. I drive my wife nuts with my, with my clothes because I've got clothes hanging in the closet, I've got clothes in the hamper, and then i got like what you call the middle pile. You know, they're, they're not dirty, they're not clean, they're just kind of the middle pile. They sit on this chair in our bedroom, and she's like, what's up with those? And I go, nothing. She goes, well, are they clean? I go, well, yeah. She goes, well, hang them up. And I'm like, well, they're not that clean. And she goes, well, then throw them in the hamper. And I go, well, they're not that dirty. And a lot of Christians, that's how our life is, right? We, we've turned from the world, but there's still a tendency for us to grab for the middle pile. And God says, I don't want you to do that anymore. Let me read you something from Colossians 3. I was reading this a couple of days ago, and I thought, I thought, wow, this is really good. And you almost got to read like the whole chapter because it's, it's that good. Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also will appear with Him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off the, these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. That's good stuff. 
I, I would encourage you to take that to heart. You see, we want to look like Jesus. And when people come in contact with us, we want them to come in contact with Jesus, not Steve, not you. And you know, isn't it refreshing to have people in your life that are upbeat and joyful Christians rather than the ones that are always downers and complaining? You know what I'm talking about? Everybody's looking at me like they don't know what I'm talking about. You know, you guys, is it just me? You know, it's, it's, you know, you almost, you have certain people in your life, and I think every one of us has someone like this, that every time you see them, it, it, it's always about somebody else, and it's always about complaining, and it's always a downer, and, and this and that, and they did this, and they did that. And, you know, and I tell those people that are like that, I said, listen, if you keep doing this, people are going to start avoiding you. Right? You, you know what I'm talking about. You're in a crowd, you see that person, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, there they are. Right? And we gravitate towards the people that we really love. They're those people that are upbeat. You know those people in your life that are always happy? I don't know how they do that. They're always happy. They're always joyful. They got an encouraging verse for you. Like, hey, let me pray for you. I was thinking about you today, man. I love you so much. You know, and those people, you're just like, woohoo, love to see them. And that's what God wants for all of us. To be that example, to be joyful, upbeat. Yeah, the world stinks. But we knew that was coming. It's in the Scriptures. But when we can show that we can keep our joy because we know who we believe in and that He's able to keep that which we've committed, that He's committed unto us, we can walk around with joy and it's contagious. Because in a lost and dying world, people see you excited about the coming of Jesus though the world is falling apart. And they say, listen, I want what you got. And God wants to use you to bring that about. You know, but that's not going to come about unless we're willing to lay down our lives for Jesus. Romans 12 tells us where Paul's begging us, I beg you by the mercies of God to present yourself a living sacrifice. What's that mean? That means you have free will. God's not going to force you to serve Him. He's not going to force you to do the right thing. But He wants us to present ourselves a living sacrifice. What is the difference between a living sacrifice and a dead sacrifice? You say, well, that's obvious. Yeah, the dead sacrifice doesn't get off the altar. The living sacrifice can. Oh, Lord, I just want to be used by you. I'm just going to crawl up on this altar. Oh, this is great. No, I don't want to do that. I'm out of here. We've all done that. Lord, I want to serve you, but here's my terms. Ooh, I don't want to do that. I want to do this, this, and this. Are you willing to do whatever God is asking you to do? So he's, he has some things here now we're going to look into putting off and putting on. And the first one is found in verse 25. Look at 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So the first thing that we're supposed to do is put off lying and put on truth. It's really easy to lie. And I know we're Christians, but we're all liars. And we got to pull that, we got to reel that thing in. And it can be really subtle. It can overtake you. It could be as easy as somebody say, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And you're not. Well, that's just a white lie. Well, what? White lie? Dark lie? What is that? Like white witch? Back, bad witch? I mean, you know, it's, it's bad. I mean, if somebody says, how are you doing? You could say, better than I deserve. Or not the greatest. Could you pray for me? Just be honest with them. 
how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Great to see you. Great to see you. Oh, it's not great to see her at all. You say, well, that, that shouldn't be counted as a lie. Whatever. You know, let me read you something from Proverbs 6.16. It says, these th- six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to Him. Here's, here's seven things God hates. A proud look. We don't know anything about that, right? A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Two out of the seven are about lying. One of those is about causing division. God hates lying and division in the church. Put away the lying. Remember what he did to Ananias and Sapphira? Dropped him dead. Early church, Pentecost just started. The church was growing leaps and bounds quickly. And Ananias and Sapphira, they lied. They sold a piece of land, said they gave all the money to the church. In fact, they, left, they kept back some money, which was their choice. But it was the fact that they lied to the Holy Spirit. They grieved the Holy Spirit. Peter calls him out. Peter says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to man, but you've lied to God. And dropped him dead right there. Is that crazy or what? Can you imagine if God was doing that in the church today? Dropping people dead for for misrepresenting him? For a lie? We'd have a lot of empty seats in here. And I wouldn't be here. It's crazy. See, because how quickly we can lie and not even, you know, you know, sometimes it just comes out of your mouth, doesn't it? Somebody says something, you just, nope. Just like I said, you know, somebody asks you how you're doing, you're having a crummy day, just tell them you're having a crummy day. I can't tell you how many times somebody said, how are you doing? I'm not doing good at all, and I just go, great, how are you doing? That's wrong. I know it doesn't seem bad, but it's wrong. And we all got stuff that we need to work on. You know, it's like, look at your kids. Did you have to teach them how to lie? No, you had to teach them how to not to lie. Right? Even those little babies, as cute as they are, they're little sinners. They know how to manipulate you. They know how to get you up in the middle of the night. They don't care that you're not getting any sleep. My, when my kids were little, we, I remember once when they were little, we had a chocolate cake in the refrigerator, and it was for a birthday party, and it was like, every, told everybody, don't touch the cake. It's not for now, it's for later, right? So later on in the day, I come and I get something out of the refrigerator, and I see these little finger gouges out of the cake. You know what I'm saying? So I go over and confront the kids. I go, so uh, who, got in the, who, who got in the cake? And they're like, not me, Papa, not me, Papa, not me, Papa. And they got it, chocolate frosting under their fingernails and some in the corner of their mouth. They didn't know how I knew. A friend of mine was telling a story of um, his three-year-old that his wife was at work and uh, he was supposed to be watching the boy. And next thing you know, he noticed he was gone. And he said that his three-year-old had gotten in the kitchen and got up on the counter and was grabbing cookies out of the cookie jar. And right when he walked in and saw him, he had three cookies going for his mouth. And he looked over and he saw his dad and without hesitating just said, I got these for you, daddy. 
We're sinners. I'll tell you what, you know, I know you guys, you're, you're awesome. Uh, we're growing leaps and bounds, but we still got a lot of problems, don't we? And, we, and until you acknowledge that you have a lot of problems, you're not going to get those problems better. God desires for you to do the right thing. To speak truth. So put off the lies and put on truth. And then he says, therefore, we are members one of another. So he, he now refers that back to the church as we are the body of Christ and Christ is the head. Um, the body's not going to lie to the body. Right? Does your body lie to your body? Does, does your brain say to the hand, hey, put your hand in that hot oil. It's really not that hot. And then your hand puts itself in the hot oil and gets burned and the brain goes, ha ha, you fell for that? You're so stupid. Our brain, our body doesn't do that. We don't lie to our body. That's why he's saying, then don't lie to the body of Christ. Speak truth. And then he goes on to say, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Wow! That's good stuff right there. Be angry, sin not. What does that mean? Well, there is a righteous anger. Did you know that? There's a righteous anger that's out there. Listen, you, you, this may sound weird, but you cannot have true love without anger. Did you know that? I don't think you guys knew that. You cannot have true love without anger. See, if someone's trying to molest my granddaughter and I stand by and I don't do anything and I just say, oh, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I I'm sorry this happened. Jesus loves you. Uh, it's going to be all right. He, he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, you know, God's with you. Just, it's okay. That's not true love. If I see somebody trying to molest my granddaughter, they're not going to meet Pastor Steve. I got enough Bruce Lee in me to get something done. Right? That's, that's righteous indignation. Remember when Jesus, he, he did this twice. Check the Gospels out. He went into the temple and he flipped tables and he whipped people. Right? He flipped tables and whipped the money changers and drove them out. Why? Because he was angry of what they were doing to someone else. He said, you turn my father's house of prayer into a den of thieves. And he was righteous in his anger, and he sinned not in what he did. I remember years ago, I think it was like, I don't know, 26, 27, 28 years ago, my wife and kids and I, we moved back to the mainland of California, back to San Clemente. And we ended up in our old house right on the Lobiero Loop by State Park. It's, it was a bluff, a cliff that overlooked the ocean, and it was a one-way loop. You came up the street, and you went down one side, and it wrapped around, and then it came to the ocean. There was a park there. You could check the surf and then decide whether you want to surf or not, and then you come back up the other side of the loop, and I lived on that side. And so this one day, my grandma's coming over to see her great-grandkids, right? So she parks on the other side of the loop, and when she's walking to our house, these guys drive by in a van, they throw something at her for fun. They hit her in the head, and she goes down. So she gets herself back up, and she's walking towards my house. I see her walking down the street, holding her head and walking funny, 
and, and my neighbors are out there, and I'm out there, and I run up. I go, Grandma, what's wrong? Are you okay? And she goes, the, somebody went, drove by, and they threw something at me. It hit me in the head, and I fell down. I was furious. Yeah. I go, Grandma, what did they look like? She goes, they were in a white van, and I immediately knew they were probably surfers, going to check the surf, and then they had to come by my house because there's no other way out. So I grabbed a big piece of wood, and I went out and stood in the middle of the street. And my neighbors are like, do you need any help? I go, call the police, call 911. And so they called the police. The police were dispatched, and I was waiting for these guys. And all of a sudden, here comes that van. So I cocked that piece of wood back like I was going to bash their window if they didn't stop. And this is before I was a pastor and I was a young Christian. Just, you know, just bear with me, all right? I'm I have a point. So... They come up, and I, I, I rear back like this. They stop. I run over to the driver's seat, open the door. I hit the driver, threw him on the pavement, jumped in the car, hit the guy in the passenger seat, dragged him out through the driver's side, threw him on the pavement, and then all my neighbors stood around, and my neighbors go, don't even think about getting up. Stay down. And we weren't going to let him go. So the police show up, and these two guys start screaming at the police, arrest this guy, he assaulted us. I was so upset. I looked at the police officer. And I looked at them and I said, you just hit my grandmother in the head and knocked her down. If she was going to the hospital right now, you'd be going to the hospital. And the police officer looked at me and he looked at them. He said, enough said, book them. And they hauled them off to jail. Okay, here's where it gets different. After that, my grandma, in her grace, being a Christian, drops all the charges. And I was furious. It's like, Grandma, what are you doing? Well, they asked for forgiveness, and I forgave them, and I didn't want them to go to jail for assault and have that on their record, so I dropped the charges. I was like, what? And now bitterness is welling up in me and unforgiveness, and now I'm in sin. Be angry, but sin not. See, they asked for forgiveness. She gave them forgiveness. That should have been good enough for me. But the problem is, if we don't get rid of that bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts, it will well up from time to time, won't it? And you will relive it? So check this out. About 18 years ago, we're, we've been back on the island since, I don't know, I, we came back like 1999. Eight, about 18 years ago, I'm at the beach and I see one of the guys at the beach. Apparently he had moved here. And as soon as I saw him, all of a sudden, I was like, you know, I started, I was reliving it. I was like, that's the guy. And I was a pastor. And then he met eyes with me. He, he saw me and he was like, right? And then he dropped his head and he walked up to me and he said, I am so sorry for what I did. I never got a chance to tell you I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And you know what? It, it just lifted all that junk off my shoulders. And you know what? We became best friends, and we're still friends today, and made him boards and his kids boards and surfboards. And, you know, God, God doesn't work. But you know what? It, the, the bad thing was is that I spent like 20 years letting that, I don't know, maybe that's for somebody. <laughs> Be angry and sin not. Remember when the, the children of Israel wanted to uh, kill Moses because they didn't have water? They were threatening him and saying all these horrible things about him. And he was angry. 
And he went to the Lord. This was the second time, right? And remember what the Lord said to him? He said, go and speak to the rock and the water will come forth. This was the second time, right? First time he hit the rock. Second time, God says, go speak to the rock. And so Moses, in his anger, he gets out there in front of the guys, and, and I'm going to paraphrase this, but he's just like, you stinking rebels, I can't believe you. You want water? I'll give you water. And he, and he strikes the rock twice. And God says, hey, Mo, come here. What, what was that? Well, you know, they, you know, give him water and everything. Did I tell you to hit the rock? Uh, no, you said speak to it. Be angry and sin not. Because he was, had righteous indignation, because they were wanting to kill him, he hadn't done anything to him. He was upset, but where he sinned was that he didn't do what God told him to do. He expressed that God was bitter at the people, and God said, I wasn't angry at the people. But because of what you did, Moses, you're not going into the promised land. And maybe some bitterness in your life is keeping you from all the th blessings that God has for you. Oh, I know. They hurt you deeply. You had nothing to do with it. It was their fault. But you need to let it go because it is messing you up. Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Stephen said, lay not this sin to their charge. Listen, you forgive because it frees you up. Amen? We are to hate the sin but love the sinner. And then he says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. This is good for married couples. What's well, good for everybody? But especially married couples, right? Guys, hello, guys. I'm just going to give you a heads up. If you don't settle that thing before the sun goes down, she's going to wake up in the morning even more mad at you. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And then he says, and don't give place to the devil. Guys, we need to shut the door on the devil. Don't even give him an inch. You give him an inch, he's going to want to destroy you. Shut the door on the devil. Don't let him in. Don't take the bait of Satan. Don't even entertain it. Slam the door shut. The Bible says, submit yourself unto God. Resist the devil. He will flee. Draw near unto God, and he will draw near to you. There's your formula. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Shut the door. He, he, the devil is the tempter. He tempts us with evil. The temptation is not sin. It's when we entertain it and we bring it about and we birth it and brings forth death. He tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Why are you surprised he's tempting you? You remember what happened in the wilderness? Jesus had just gotten baptized. He started his ministry. God said, this is my son in whom I'm already well pleased. He starts his ministry. What does he do? He goes right into the wilderness. He fasts for 40 days. And then Satan comes in and tempts him three times. And how does God deal with it? Gives him the Word of God. He could have just snapped his fingers and smoked him. He could have just launched him to the other side of the planet. He could have tossed him out into outer space, but he didn't. Why? Because he wanted to show you and me how to deal with the enemy. All you need to be is a spirit-filled Christian who knows the Word of God. That's what he did. He gave him the Word of God. He tempted him again. He gave him the Word of God. He tempted it again. He gave him the Word of God. Satan's like, oh, three times. Got to go. Can't handle this. But you got to know the Word of God. 
If you don't know the Word of God, how are you going to defend yourself against the enemy? You say, the Lord rebuke you. You don't try fighting the enemy. You just say, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. You, say, you give him the Word of God. So important. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. We, I don't think we understand the subtlety of how the enemy works. How many of you had a tough time getting to church today? Raise your hand. All right. All right. I'll, okay, I'll wait till they all keep going up. You know why? The enemy didn't want you to be here because maybe this was a message you needed to hear. Every time I tried to bail out at a conference because I felt a little tired, like I ate too much, I think I'll skip this next guy, I knew in my heart that was the guy I needed to listen to. You know, if the enemy knows that he can make you tired or not feeling good or get you to get in a fight with your spouse before church and that will keep you out of church, what do you think will happen every time you head out to church? You're going to get sleepy. You're not going to feel good. You're going to get a fight with your spouse, right? You know how powerful prayer is? It's the thing we do the least. Think about it. We've been doing these worship and prayer nights on Wednesday nights. They've been awesome. And you guys are coming, and you're getting a for sure hour of worship and prayer. And it is so good. And there's a lot of breakthroughs that have been coming through. But you know what? It's hard to get there. And I've, I've heard from some of you, it's hard to get there. It's hard to come out on Wednesday. You worked all day. You're tired, right? But I want to encourage you, get in the car and come here. If you're going to have any breakthroughs in your family and in this world and what's going on, it's going to be through prayer. And if you join with us, we'll be praying corporately. So I, I want to invite you to come out to Wednesday nights. How many are, are willing to want to do that? Just... Show me your hands. Okay. Great. That's awesome. Everybody just saw you. We got it on video. <laughs> you did that before God and everyone. But here's the thing. I, I say that just because here's what's going to happen. Come Wednesday, you're going to have every reason why you shouldn't. I'm running late. Not feeling good. I'm tired. Got in a fight with my spouse. I'm yelling at the kids. And you feel like a hypocrite if you come in. That's all right. Just come in. Just get here. You're going to get blessed. Amen? Amen? It's important to think about that and, and to do those things. So don't give place for the enemy. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Then he says, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So what does he say? He says, stop stealing. I know what you're thinking right there. You go, I'm not a thief. I'm not taking a gun and going to First Hawaiian Bank and robbing it. I'm not hijacking cars and, you know, I, 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 I don't steal from the store. Okay, well, let's, let's get down to Christian stealing. You work for somebody. Do you take st stuff home from work that's not yours? Well, I work there. Take home office supplies? Well, yeah, but I work there. Well, then why don't you ask if you can take them? You work at a restaurant? You're taking food? Well, yeah, but I work here. Did you ask if you could have that food? 
Are you stealing from your employer? Is, is he, has he hired you to do a job, but you're on your phone during work all the time? Oh, pastor, why'd you have to go there, right? Are you hearing me? Are you stealing time from your employer? Are you showing up all the time late for, for work? I know you're showing up for, late for work because you show up late here. And how about robbing God? Oh, you don't do any of that other stuff, but maybe you're robbing God. God tells us to give. And you don't want to give. We're supposed to give, his, give him our first fruits, and we're supposed to do it cheerfully. And, I, you know, don't just think about money. Think about service. Did God not call you? Did he not give you gifts of the Spirit? Did he not give you something to do, a task to do? And, and you're like, I don't want to do it. You're robbing God. Is he not worth it? You know, when God's in it and, and the Holy Spirit is backing you, it's so easy to serve God. I just want to encourage you. He says then, stop stealing, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to the needy. See what he's saying right there? Stop stealing work hard, the word that's being used there is to the point of exhaustion so that you can give to others. So now he's saying put off stealing, put on giving. And then he goes on, he says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for the necessary edification that it might impart grace to the hearers. Oh, that is so good for us to hear right now. Is, is the stuff coming out of your mouth edifying? Does it build people up or does it tear them down? Does it make them feel wonderful or does it make them feel gross? What's coming out of your mouth? Corrupt speech? Dirty language? Cussing? Dirty stories? Grossness? Gossip? Tearing someone apart? Or is the things of God coming out of your mouth? Do, do people walk away from you feeling like they just had a conversation with Jesus or they, they walk away from you feeling creepy. Oh gosh, that's so creepy. <gasps> I feel like I need a shower. <laughs> Stuff that was coming out of their mouth, right? You know what I'm talking about. Man, you want people to walk away from having a conversation with you and feel like they just hung out with Jesus. Because you were uplifting, you were edifying them, you were building them up, you were encouraging them, you were telling them how much God loves them and how much God wants to use them. And they walked away energized because they were down before you walked up. God wants to use you to do those very things. He says, and do not, verse 30, grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. All these things that, you, that you're supposed to put off, if you don't put them off, they grieve the Holy Spirit. Lying and bitterness. And then he's going to go on and even say it. Check it out. Look at verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Those things, those things grieve the Holy Spirit. Bitterness is sin. Unforgiveness is sin. And they grieve the Holy Spirit. 
unrighteous anger is sin clamor. What's that? That's when you're, you're, like, you're out in public and you're just shouting at people, just screaming at people. You have two Christians out in public just screaming at each other, shouting at the top of their lungs, and, and people look at that and they go, wow, I thought they were Christians. Well, they are. They just, you know, they used to punch each other. Now they're just yelling at each other. But it doesn't set a good example, does it? It says, put away that, put away evil speaking, put it away from you. Put it away. Let the Holy Spirit shine through in your life. And then he says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Are you someone that forgives people? God wants you to be someone that forgives. But unfortunately, sometimes it's hard for us because especially if someone's harmed you and done something horrible to you and you, you did nothing to deserve it, you didn't antagonize it, you had nothing to do with it, they just outright hurt you. And it's really hard to let that stuff go, but God knows you need to let that stuff go because it's not healthy for you to harbor bitterness and unforgiveness. You've got to let it go for your own health. But so many times, even with Christians, Christians hold grudges against other Christians and they're not going to forgive. And they'll use this verse that I just read to express why they don't have to forgive because it says, forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. And they say, well, God forgave me because I repented. And if this person's not going to repent, I'm not going to forgive. And if they're not going to repent and then jump through my hoops and do this and that that I want up to my satisfaction, I'm not forgiving them. And God says, you're wrong. Is that how God forgave you? Did God die on the cross and say, you know what? I'm just going to ignore you until you repent. No, he didn't do that. Read your Bible. Jesus pursued you. Even when you were dead in your trespasses and sins. He went after you. How's that? He died for a world that didn't even know him. He died for those that hated him. And that's why he could say at the cross when they're nailing him into the cross, he said, forgive him, Father. They don't know what they're doing. They don't even understand what I'm doing for them. And in the midst of all of that, in the midst of the hatred and the people that turned on him, he loved them and he kept extending that hand of grace to them. He pursued them. The Bible says the Father was drawing you and the Holy Spirit was calling you. Because why? Because no one seeks after God. No, not one. That's what the Scripture says. None of you were seeking him. He went after you. So don't tell me someone's got to come and repent and jump through hoops and do what you want before you're going to forgive. You need to forgive. Oh, that hurt. Let me close with this. How nice is it when you blow it and the person that you sinned against and wronged, check this out, is kind to you and tender-hearted and forgiving. 
How nice is that? When you've wronged someone, you did it. And they respond with kindness, tenderheartedly, and forgiveness. Because we've all experienced the other side of those who, believers, that will attack and build up a wall and keep you at bay. Matthew 6, verse 15 says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive your trespasses. Did you hear that? Is that a scary verse or what? If you don't forgive, neither will the Father in heaven forgive you. He's talking to Christians. Hello? How can that be? What does that mean? Does that mean I lose my salvation? No, it doesn't mean you lose your salvation. It means when you don't forgive, He's not going to forgive you of your sins. Do you sin every week? Uh, you don't need to raise your hand. I know the answer. Okay, we're a work in progress. You guys are doing great. You're growing leaps and bounds, but then we still got stuff we deal with. And God says, listen, if you're not going to forgive that person what you did last week, I'm not going to forgive that. And then if you didn't forgive the person next week, then th now you got two weeks where I'm not going to forgive that. And then if you just keep this going for six months, yeah, I'm not, gonna, I'm, I'm not hearing you. Oh, Lord, forgive me of that. He goes, oh, I can't hear you. Because when we choose not to forgive, God says, well, I'm not going to forgive you. And what you're doing is you're breaking fellowship with God. That's why your walk has grown cold. That's why your walk has gotten stagnant. That's why you don't seem to be getting any ground in your walk. You're not growing in the grace and knowledge because you have no grace. I better close with this before I get in trouble. Chapter 5, verse 1. Check it out. We'll just read verses 1 and 2 and we'll close. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Amen. Father, we thank You for that. Lord, You are our example. And Lord, we fall short in so many ways, but um, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome that. And Lord, I pray that... Um, I just feel like there's, there's some folks here today that have just been holding on to stuff they need to let go. And maybe that's all of us. Help us to just let it go and turn it over to you. We're supposed to lay it at your feet. It's your deal. It's not ours. We're supposed to pray for those who have wronged us. We're supposed to pray for our enemies. We're supposed to pray for those that have hurt us and let you do the rest. And so, Lord, would you help us to put off the old man and to put on the new and be an example that's pleasing that when we talk to people, they feel like they just had a conversation with you. So, Lord, thank you for hearing our cries. We pray for revival. We pray for just a, a revival in our own walk. And we ask these things in the name above all names, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you guys.